Welcome to episode 5 of a year-long series called Growing Up, Learning to Live in the Power of the Spirit, where I am taking the year 2024 and trying to teach my three sons everything I know about the Holy Spirit, trying to put it in language they understand and in a way that they actually care about. It's been a fascinating journey for me, and I've just barely begun to scratch the surface. So in the first four episodes, part zero, I was just trying to give you an introduction, some driving reasons why behind, why I want to actually spend a year on this. And this is episode five. It's the beginning of part one, which is trying to give them an overview of the Holy Spirit and the reality of the spiritual world around us. And I actually took a, a week's break to, to spend a little more time studying and praying and thinking and contemplating because I don't want to approach this like a normal Bible study where I can just, you know, go through some verses about the Holy Spirit. Or if I was preaching, you know, the simplest thing would be to come up with an alliterated checklist of things about the Holy Spirit, that He is the Comforter, and He is caring, and He is, you know, something else that starts with the letter C. But my primary audience are my boys, my 16-year-old, my 14-year-old, my 12-year-old. And so they're not going to care if everything is alliterated. And I can throw a bunch of verses at them, but their mind is on different things. And so I want to try to capture and teach the Holy Spirit in a way that is first, biblically faithful, but secondly, in language that they understand, to use parables and illustrations that they can align with. And so it's been fascinating for me for the past two weeks. So this episode, all I want to try and do is kind of give you the journey of how I landed on the three overarching parables or metaphors or illustrations I'm going to be using to describe the person of the Holy Spirit to my sons. And again, just want to apologize in advance. These are going to be boy-centric. But the first thing I wanted to do is really just figure out where Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit to others. The word spirit shows up a lot of times in the New Testament, but I really want to focus on Jesus, not just when Paul talked about it, even though those are great references as well. And I don't want to, didn't want to focus on the times when Jesus just spoke or referenced the Holy Spirit, but when he actually took time to try to teach the Holy Spirit to others. That's what I wanted to use on, you know, for me as kind of my framework. And there were three primary times that I see that Jesus actually tried to not just speak of the Holy Spirit, but teach about the Holy Spirit to others. First one is in John 3, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And second one is you could see it in Matthew 10 and Matthew 12, but it's also a lot of other times when Jesus is not just talking about the Holy Spirit, he's kind of describing the Holy Spirit, but we see it pop up in Matthew 10 and 12. And then, of course, you get John chapter 14 when Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit to his disciples. Those are the primary references. Those are the primary texts that I sat with for several weeks. to think, okay, how can I capture this? How can I faithfully teach this in a way that my boys would understand? Now, before I get to those three passages in particular, one of the things I'm going to do with my boys is just try to help them understand in general that there is a spiritual world, a world around us that we cannot see, but is very much real. And I'm going to use a couple of standard illustrations that I've used for years and have been effective for me 
Because a lot of times, you know, we live in a world that we can see and touch. And if we can't see it or touch it, then we don't think it's real or we discount it. But there are several aspects of the world that God created that are invisible, but incredibly real. And so for me, one of the first things I go to is like, you look at our bodies and you can touch and feel our bodies and you can, you know, get an x-ray and you can get a head scan and you could do a CAT scan and all that sort of stuff. And you can dissect a human body just about every single way that you can. But you can't put a, a mind, a brain in an x-ray and figure out what it's thinking. There is certain aspects of our mind that are separate from just the tissue in our bodies. That we have thoughts, we have desires, we have wills, we have personality traits that aren't tied to flesh and bones. There, there, there's an aspect of us. Jesus would call it the spirit or the soul. There's an aspect of us that you can't find on an x-ray. And then another way that I'm going to teach it to my boys is just a very, very basic medical thing that, you know, you can't see cells and you can't see, you can't see microscopic organisms with the naked eye. But if you get a virus... You know, you'll feel the effects of it, even if you can't see it, or those microscopic organisms inside of you. And so that's just kind of reiterating this, this fact that there is a hidden world that even though we can't see it, it's very much real. So once I establish that, over the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking about the three illustrations, the three metaphors, the three parables I'm going to be using to teach my boys about the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not necessarily like I'm going to sit down one week and go through one, and then the next week, like, I've already told my boys all of them, and they really, really have latched onto them, which is great, because that means that, you know, I picked some good ones. But I think this is where um, I want to land with my boys, that if they can remember these three things about the Holy Spirit, then they have a really, really good grasp about who He is. So in John chapter 3, Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus, who was a very well-educated religious leader about the kingdom of God. And he uses the illustration of wind. That the wind blows wherever it pleases, but you cannot tell where it is coming from or where, or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Jesus used the illustration himself of wind. So how is the Holy Spirit like wind? Other than the obvious fact that in the New Testament, the Greek word for wind and the Greek word for spirit is the same word. It's the Greek word pneuma. And we'll talk about that. I actually think there's a lot of just correlations that you can make between the wind and the spirit. It gives you a little bit of an idea of his function. And actually, in my career now, my whole career is based off of wind, which you know, it's easy for me to talk about now, but that's not in and of itself a complete picture of the Holy Spirit because the wind is impersonal. It's not a person, whereas the Holy Spirit is a person. So in Matthew 10 and Matthew 12 and other places as well, but we'll look at that two episodes from now, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as something inside of you that when you stand in front of people to give a testimony, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will be speaking from you or in you, or this person will have the spirit of my father 
within him. It is a, it is a personal presence inside of us. And so the, the terminology I landed, this is, apologies in advance, this is incredibly boy-centric, but is a symbiote. Now, if you don't know what a symbiote is, then you don't read comic books. But if you read comic books, a symbiote is, a, you know, an organism that lives inside of you. It's the whole basis behind uh, Venom, which is a, you know, famous Spider-Man character. So I say symbiote, and my boy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what a symbiote is. You know, they know the concept of someone living inside of us and is supposed to work in us and through us. And the symbiote can be good or bad, but Holy Spirit is a good symbiote. So it communicates this idea of a living presence active with a mind and a will inside of us. A symbiote. That's the second metaphor that I'm going to be using. And the third one I'm really, really excited about because it, it, for me, it kind of overcomes one of the biggest frustrations I had with uh, teachings on the Holy Spirit. And so, because if, if you, as a Baptist, if you want to talk about the Holy Spirit, which you know usually freaks you out just to start off with, but you usually end up in John chapter 14, when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. It is probably the primary text about the Holy Spirit, and so that's where we have to land if you want to be you know, faithful to the New Testament. So there's nothing wrong with that. But the word that Jesus kept using for the Holy Spirit is one I could never really latch on to. It's the, it's the word um, paraclete. That's the Greek word. And it's been translated as advocate or comforter or counselor. And it's someone who comes alongside, who advocates for you, who counsels you. And it's just not that it was, it was, you know, not faithful. I think the New Testament translators, when they translated it from Greek to English, they tried their best to, to develop this very complex word into English. But for me, it was always counselor. That was the word that I was uh, familiar with the most. And the way that it was applied, or at least the way that I interpreted it, was basically that the Holy Spirit was my therapist. That his job was to make me feel better about myself. It was very me-centric. It made the Holy Spirit kind of weak, and it kind of made him on the sidelines that you know, he was just there if we needed him, but as long as we were fine, we didn't really need the Holy Spirit. And I just don't, I didn't want to convey that, you know, to my boys that the Holy Spirit is their therapist, because I don't think that's what paraclete, that Greek word, actually meant. So that's what I spent the most time trying to land on a modern day metaphor. And I'm not saying by any means that it's perfect or complete, but I found one that when I shared this with my boys, their eyes literally, I literally saw them widen and I saw them light up because they immediately knew what I was talking about. And I loved it. And at that moment, I'm like, okay, this is it. It may, may not be the perfect illustration, but it is what I'm going to ride to try to help my boys better understand the Holy Spirit. And it's quarterback. That the Holy Spirit is a quarterback. Now, all my boys are into football. And so they immediately know what a quarterback does. And the reason I love this idea of the quarterback is that it puts the Holy Spirit in the driver's seat, not us. His job is to, as a quarterback, you're supposed to put your receivers and your running backs in a position to win. So he is kind of the one, you know, driving, calling the plays. And our job, if we're wide receivers or running backs or offensive linemen or whatever, 
is to run the play that the quarterback calls. And so one of the things I immediately loved about it is this idea of the Holy Spirit driving our lives and calling the plays of our lives. And we're supposed to get into the huddle, you know, have a little quiet time, get into the huddle every day with the Holy Spirit and say, okay, what's the play today? Are we doing a running play? Are we doing a passing play? Like, what's the play? And that constant dependent upon the Holy, dependence upon the Holy Spirit, I love. And so I think I can accurately get that from Paraclete, that the Paraclete is designed to come alongside us, to advocate for us, to help us in the same way that the quarterback is supposed to help his team, you know, win the football game. And it's our job to listen to and respond to and run the plays that the quarterback calls. So those are the three illustrations that I'm going to be using primarily to teach my boys about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to unpack those more in the next coming weeks. And I'm not saying those are perfect. But what I am saying is that I believe if they understand and they can hold on to those three illustrations, the Holy Spirit is like wind, like a symbiote, and he's like the quarterback. They will be much farther down the road of understanding the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's the win. So when we come back next week, we're going to dive into John chapter 3, when Jesus was trying to explain the Holy Spirit to Nicodemus. And we're going to talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit is like wind. See you then.